Hey everyone, welcome back to the new season of Polemics Rec, an entirely student-run podcast from the Diplomatische Akademie Wien. I'm Navina Haspa, I'll be hosting this podcast episode as a part of the Polemics design team, and I'm also the vice president of DASI. Today we have our inaugural episode with a very special guest, Ambassador Emil Brix, the director of the Diplomatische Akademie Wien, who is here to reflect on the school's history, his career in diplomacy, and was even so kind to give us students some advice for the upcoming year. Before diving into the past, present and future of the Academy, could you briefly describe your path to the directorial role here for those of our listeners who are only newly joining us this year? Let me thank you for the for the podcast first, for your invitation. My coming to this Academy was not so straightforward as it looked, although I have to say I studied here at the Diplomatic Academy. I taught here cultural management some years ago, and now I'm director, so the, it looks very straightforward. But in between, I uh, became a historian, uh, studied history at the University of Vienna, and then uh, I worked for a political party in parliament and for a minister. And then suddenly there was a disruption. The disruption was the fall of the Iron Curtain in Europe. And as you know, Vienna is not far away from the Iron Curtain. So it, it disrupted also my career because I was asked suddenly to become a diplomat in Poland, which just had become democratic. So went there and later on, to cut the long story short, I became ambassador to the United Kingdom and then to the Russian Federation. Uh, and I was asked then by our then foreign minister, whether I would like to apply to become director of the Diplomatic Academy. And I immediately agreed because background as a historian, being myself a graduate, uh, I thought this is a huge challenge. I, I like to take it. Thank you so much. That's very interesting. Um, moving on straight to the next question. As we begin a new academic year, can you reflect on the Academy's role in shaping the future of international relations education? Hmm. I, I hope I'm not too overambitious what I'm saying now and asking too much from, from the students. Uh, but I think uh, the time we are in is the best time that I have ever lived through if you want to have an impact on what's going on on the international scene. Because it's not a time of stability. It's not a time of fairness. It's not a time where we understand what climate change entails and how we can react to that. So that we need this impact of people. And I always say of young people, of young educated people, of young educated people with an international perspective. And that's the challenge here now uh, in, in this year at the Academy. Being young, being educated, being internationally minded uh, and have the passion for doing this. Yeah, that's that's what what's happens right now at the beginning of the study year. And do you have any advice for students who are motivated and want to make change after they graduate? <laughs> at the inauguration speech, for those of you who, who, who listened in, I said, be yourself, uh, be courageous and be active. This is a lot of advice already, I know. <laughs> it's very general and it is a lot, but uh, I, I really believe in it. So I think from my own experience, but also from how I evaluate the, the global situation, that's the best thing you can do. It's and, and uh, Because in stable situations, uh, well, there is a career in front of you the next 40, 50 years, whatever you want to do. But in an unstable situation, you have to be active, you have to be true to yourself, uh, and somehow uh, you have to be courageous. Yeah, I think those are all things that we can aspire to be. Um, 
So the Vienna School of International Studies has a long and prestigious history dating back to 1754. What milestones and developments have defined its journey over the years? And do you have some that personally stick out to you? Well, this is a school of heroes, I always say, uh, because whatever the careers of our alumni really are afterwards, there's something that they learned here, that if you want to, to find your place in your career, uh, you have to go your own way. And that's already a hero, as we know. In bureaucracies, a very difficult job to go your own way and to become a hero of, your, of, of, of what you are doing and following your conscience, after all. Uh, uh, so I think this is really my advice already for the time after here, uh, for the career you follow, um, uh, that's normally you hear, don't expect that you will have the same job in five years or in ten years. I don't know. And, and, and f uh, the experience of, of, the, of the alumni that we have here uh, is various. But what I know is that you have from the very beginning uh, to, to, to be directly involved and try to shape. We have nowadays a lot of very horizontal hierarchies and not vertical hierarchies. Uh, and don't expect that you can follow someone when you go into an international organization or to, to a company. You have to be part of, of this horizontal, actually, hierarchy. And that's something that is different from former times. Maybe because you mentioned the beginning in 1754, um, there is a lot that, that, that we try to keep as a tradition which did not change. We try to say that we need to understand others by putting our minds and our souls into also their position. You call it often dialogue. And that was at the very first day of this Oriental Academy in the 18th century, was thinking also in the minds and the heads and the souls uh, of, at that time, the Ottomans and the Persians. And this we, keep, we kept until nowadays. Uh, and this means, if you want to do this, uh, you need a few things to understand. A few things like you need to have a history education. That's why we are proud that we have this strong history education here. Uh, you need to have an understanding what realpolitik and geopolitics mean. That's why we, we are talking about geography. That's why we are talk, uh, talking about resources and all these things. This has not changed from the 18th century to the 21st century. And we say uh, we would do not the best thing for our students if we would not talk exactly about these issues. So you just mentioned some things that have stayed the same, but it would also be interesting to hear how the approach has changed over the years and evolved. The director giving a podcast to the students is something that in the 18th century, I guess, would not have happened. On a more serious note, uh, the, the whole notion of how digital international relations have influenced how we can, can react to our surrounding to disruptions uh, is something new. Uh, and, and that's why we put into if possible, in every program we offer, every course we offer, this knowledge about the digital disruptions and how to respond to them. Not only respond, but actively work with them. Not this year, but next year we start with our special two-year master program on digital international affairs. So that's something 21st century, the best school of international relations in the world has to follow and has to be on the front of what we are doing. Uh, and the second thing is, there, there is this feeling that you cannot do 
nowadays diplomacy, if, if, if it's such an unstable situation, an unfair situation globally, without investing into what culture means, how you might call it intercultural dialogue or religious dialogue or um, cultural techniques, uh, you have to do this. Uh, that's why uh, we uh, start also to invest in our faculty, in, in new people, uh, trying to, to, to discuss with the students what this means, actually, this sort of, uh, of that we have to respond in the cultural way. Part of it is something like emotional intelligence, that we have been talking about quite for quite some time, but it's more. Uh, it's really it's it's really about what is the best way how in given situations we can find trust in a negotiation. We can find a, a conflict solution, a peaceful conflict situation in a conflict, uh, or in in any sort of multilateral organization that you have. You have to think that we still have these major organizations from the end of the Second World War. 80 years, these dinosaurs are still around, and we have to help them to adapt. And, and that's a huge challenge. Yeah, definitely. And I think as students of the academy, we also know how important, and like you just mentioned, the interdisciplinary approach is. In what ways do you think that this interdisciplinary approach will help the Uh, students of the academy. I always say I don't expect our alumni to get the Nobel Prize because the Nobel Prize is very often given for a very specialized knowledge. But even there, I am not right because when you think about the peace Nobel. There were already some alumni of this institution who got it because of what they were doing as NGOs for against atomic power, uh, the use of nuclear power for military purposes, or the European Union, which got the, 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 the Peace Nobel Prize. Uh, but normally, we don't educate for this narrow specialist. Why I'm stressing this? Because I'm utterly, utterly convinced that creativity depends on this knowledge from different perspectives. You might call it plurality, interdisciplinarity. I don't like many of these terms, but I like the idea that creativity lies in bringing new contexts to different, from different perspectives. And that's why we rely so much on this, on this uh, interdisciplinarity. You also mentioned the alumni just now and what you can expect from the alumni after they graduate. And at the DA, we also know that there's a very strong network of alumni who also keep in contact many years after they graduate. So um, how does this vast, rich network shape the experience for current students and recent graduates? It shapes it as much as the students themselves want that it shapes it. So it's, uh, it's not that the alumni uh, come here regularly and are looking out for bright students. It's for the student organization and for the individual students to make the contact with, with these people. Find someone who you're interested in contact him or her, uh, because it's, it's worth it. Many of our alumni, as you said, most of them are members of the Club DA organization. Many of them support students, present-day students, uh, with scholarships uh, or with mentoring uh, or with help in, in, in the first steps into the professional career. So these are the, the possibilities because they know what you as the present-day students 
are going through. They experienced it and they made their first steps in the career already. So that's good. So these are almost 2,000 people at your disposal. Yeah, definitely. I think the career talks that we have every week are also very helpful. And especially with a lot of them being alumni of the DA, it really gives you a special connection and ties back to our careers as well, because um, we can really relate as a lot of us are in the same programs. And this makes it extra helpful, I think. Both in the context of the current international landscape and looking back on all your experiences, what advice would you have for students in general aspiring to work in international relations and diplomacy? I know that you had already uh, alluded to your uh, speech from the inauguration, but is there one piece of advice that you would give to all of us? The advice is uh, stay truthful to yourself, really. It's, um, uh, it's uh, doing the right thing means be truthful to yourself. Uh, don't play all the time roles. I'm a big fan of Shakespeare, as some people know. And, and Shakespeare, as you like it said, we are all actors actually in the field. But I believe there is a chance that you are truthful to yourself. Uh, and every student knows what it means in this case. It means also not cheating at, at, by using artificial intelligence in an, an unauthorized way. But it means more than that, as we know. Uh, it means building a new character. And that's uh, what I hope, by the way we run this place, by the way our faculty works, the, the staff works here, all the people here, your colleagues, that there, there is this, this, this spirit of, of, of familiarity which helps you uh, to build this sort of idea, be truthful to yourself. I'm saying this because this is what I took away from my uh, two years here at the Academy. I think that's great advice and I think the students of the Diplomatic Academy are very thankful for this sense of community that's fostered here and for the values that are, are present at the institution. Finally, it's a little bit of a tricky question. In just three words, what are your feelings as we embark on this new academic year? Uh, it's three words, not four or two. It's three words. Okay. Um, if I try to sum up everything, uh, I can't ask artificial intelligence now, can I? I have to make an answer to your question, yeah. I would say feeling the spirit, feeling the spirit of this place. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ambassador Briggs. That was very interesting. Thank you for sharing advice for the students. My pleasure. We're very thankful that you took the time. Thank you. All the best for the study year now. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow us on social media and your favorite streaming platforms. We can't wait for you to hear the second episode of Polemics Wreck in November. Bye for now.